Before we get started, I would like to introduce any of our District Next Gen reps that are here. Uh, let's see. If you are a District Next Gen rep, would you stand? There's Natalie, Bunny. Bunny is from Hawaii. Natalie is the Heartland District. And uh, I believe some of our other reps will be coming in. Oh, you, Tammy. Tammy, who missed her flight. <laughs> Tammy, it, yes, not, not because uh, she missed it, but because they delayed it. Tammy is from the Gateway District. So any questions that you have uh, going forward from this workshop, we invite you to connect with your district next-gen reps as they will have more information on how to help you establish either an after-school program or a Bible club in your local church. Hey, this is a treat to have you here. And uh, my prayer and our prayer has been that this is not a workshop where you gain some knowledge, but that this is a workshop that awakens you and I to the possibility of what is right around the corners of our churches and our neighborhoods, and that is schools. I believe, listen, we have a system in our nation that gathers the greatest harvest five days out of the week, and we have an opportunity to go to them. So... I want to pray that uh, I'm encouraged by you being here, but I want to pray that our Foursquare movement would catch that this opportunity for a great harvest. So, Father, as we come today, we want so much more than just information. We want you to open our eyes to what you see so that we can do what is in your heart, and that is to go after every young person. Thank you that in this nation there are already systems in place that gather people for us. And all we have to do is go to them. Give us instruction and wisdom and insight. And Lord, thank you that in this season of our lives, we will see multitudes of young people come to Jesus. We will see it with our eyes. And not only will we see it with our eyes, Lord, but I, I believe that you uh, have it in our the DNA of Foursquare to be a part of bringing something like this into this nation. So we thank you for it, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Natalie, would you come? Natalie, you, yes. You may have heard Natalie uh, last year talk about the after school, or two years ago talk about the after school program. She's going to take a few minutes to do that, and then Brian will come to talk about our Bible clubs. Yeah, so I'm going to talk a little bit about elementary school um, ideas in schools, and then Brian will talk about middle school, high school. I just want to set up, uh, for those of you who were in the morning service, anybody in the morning service? I know some people slept in this morning, but Shonda talked this morning about Rehoboth, and as she talked about that, I thought, man, how many of us have a vision and a passion to reach, and we've been digging wells, trying to dig and trying to get the water to flow because we have this vision to see kids reach. Anybody have that vision for kids and youth to know Jesus? And we get this opposition, and we just keep digging the same well. And then what Jacob did was moved to somewhere else, more opposition, moved somewhere else. And then he moved somewhere, and he had, what she say, open spaces. And he, he named it Rehoboth because here's what it said. For now, the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. And so I want you to think today that the Lord has made room for us. See, I'm from Indiana, and so I talk to people about doing things in schools, and they right away go, oh, yeah, but that's not legal in my city. Like, if it works in L.A., 
And it works in small town Indiana. It will work anywhere. The Lord has created wide open spaces, and we shall be fruitful. But, should I just not use that? Should I ditch it? Oh, they're recording. So, oh, that recording sounds like, okay, awesome. So, (laughs) this will be fun. Uh, Last night, uh, Pastor Brad was sharing on John 21 and the miraculous catch. Right? So they've seen the risen Christ. He set them on a mission to go reach the world. And what they do? They went fishing. And so my prayer today, I want to set this up, that we would not just go back home and just do what we've always done because we've always done it. Right? Can we start to think about this a little differently today and going, where shall I cast my nets? What's really interesting about John 21 is that Jesus didn't say your nets are broken right? You don't have the right people, right? You, you're, you need to change your strategy. The only thing he asked him to do was a location change, a location change. The only thing he asked him to do is a location change. Just move your nets to the other side of the boat. And so today, what I want to ask us as our Foursquare family is that maybe what the Lord would ask us to do is to, instead of focusing just on our kids' ministries, to focus on ministering to kids. Let me read these statistics. There is four churches for every school in America. This is as of 2017. Four churches for every school, one church for every orphan, and one church for every detained minor. And yet, we throw millions of dollars into our kids' ministries, okay? And sometimes the busyness of our kids' ministry, I think, gets in the way of ministering to the kids who most need it. So, I know that stings a little bit, but we're family. (laughs) So we can figure out a solution, and Brian and I's heart is really not plug and Uh, really to equip others to do the same, right? We're not like geniuses, at least I, I'm not. <laughs> um, but we have an option for what we can do. So I just want to think about that if we were to cast our nets, a simple location change, what would the miraculous catch be? What if you just took your same kids' ministry and put it in an elementary school on Tuesday afternoons? What would happen? Because what happened is, then they have to, like, get their friends involved. And so what we've done is it's become this interdenominational thing where so many schools wanted us. We realized we're at capacity here, and we need help. So we went to other churches. So we have a Baptist church. I live across the street from a Presbyterian church. The little church secretary there, they literally have no kids, no youth in their entire church. But their church secretary for years printed our name tags and put them in my mailbox for me to then deliver to the schools. So it wasn't about like you have a cool youth pastor let's go into schools she sat in her little office and they could handle administrative work and so they did their part in order to help us do what we're doing in schools so what's really cool today just want to challenge us to think about just a location change that maybe the wells we've been digging the vision that you've had in your heart what god actually called you to and you've been saying lord lord where's the harvest Maybe he would say, let's dig a well. The water would pour. When she was speaking this morning, I like had tears in my eyes. I'm like, yes, yes, this is what we're doing. So, um, uh, 
yeah, I'll just share a little bit about how we got started. And the way this is going to work, I'll talk for a bit, and then Brian will talk for a bit. He's going to have Q&A. So does this work? Is this illegal? All of those questions we're ready to answer. Um, we started because a principal, a principal called us, um, a, community, uh, a community leader, uh, call the Foursquare Church. Like a principal said, I need help. And they said, call the Foursquare Church in town. Right? Like, what's your other option? So we sort of invented this program, and what happened is after the first year, our princip the principal office visits and tardies decreased dramatically. We're talking from six principal office visits a day to three a week. Right? And we go, yeah, praise God, but listen, the gospel changes lives. I mean, if it doesn't, like, let's pack it up and go home. Amen? <laughs> like, what we saw was a cultural change, and all we did was teach Sunday school. Like, it's, it's just Sunday school, but a bit more fun. I mean, it's just like fun Sunday school, basically, and, and the gospel began to change lives. And so other principals figured out that that school had lower office visits and lower tardies and then started calling going, hey, what about our school? What about us? And so then it just began to grow and began to grow. And what's so interesting is maybe two, maybe 2017, the beginning, I started to feel like we either got to cap this off or we got to open our hands and say to our, our other the top, this. Is that the problem the whole time? Maybe. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Mark. I'll hold it way up high. That's it. That could be it. That makes sense. Okay. All right. So um, we started just going to, just starting at other schools, realized we may have a capacity and needed to kind of open our hands and say, here, if anybody else wants to do this, we'll help you. And so now we have um, a program. I don't, did you even show the slides? So I missed those. Uh, anyways. Um, so we started expanding. So now we're in seven schools. Um, and this, like I said, is not, it's not about us. Um, it's become this interdenominational ministry, and we get to partner with all these other churches. So some of my new best friends in the last five years or so are, are kids pastors and youth pastors from other churches. And so that has been one of the kind of side benefits we never expected. Um, we didn't set out to do that, but it's cool the way the Lord has knit us together. The other thing that we've seen, um, because who's available at 2.30 to show up at, after school, is that it has given life to this whole part of our congregation that are retired. So we didn't plan this. We, we, we had no idea that's what would happen when it started. But now we have these little grandmas and grandpas who love on kids. And who doesn't love a bonus grandparent, right? So now they have a purpose. And these are people who literally have never volunteered in kids' ministry or youth ministry in their life. But we put out a call and said, if you're available at 2, here's some awesome things. Serve cookies and do these things. And what happened is they fell in love with the kids. Now, I joke about this. I think I have more people die out of volunteering than quit. <laughs> Literally, because, because they stay forever, that nobody wants to leave. I mean, once you see it, you don't want to leave. The kids love them and adore them. And we retain volunteers so well um, because it's, it's such purpose and such a need in our schools. 
Um, so this format for, we call it DIVE. DIVE stands for Discovering Important Values for Eternity. We're just, we're a four-square church in small town Indiana. But God gave that name and that vision um, to call it DIVE to a lady in our church. It's really cool. So it's not really a, it's not exactly a plug and play of, okay, this is exactly what I want to do. Um, but it's, it fits in different contexts. Um, Kristen started one at a school a couple hours away from us. And their format is an hour after school, where ours is an hour and a half after school. So this is really more about helping you reach your schools. Um, we've just been doing it for 10 years. And so we go, okay, there's a couple things you're going to want to know, um, just wisdom over the years. So it doesn't have to look exactly the same. Um, but basically we have a one or one and a half hour program. Kids come in, eat snacks, and play games. I really believe kids connect and learn through laughter. So when I said it's Sunday school, um, it's way more fun. But the games all have a point. So if we're talking about generosity, we're playing a game where they have to give away their shoes. You know, they have to empty their own bucket. All my kids' ministry friends probably know what I'm talking about. Um, and then we teach them a, a large group lesson based on a character in the Bible. So one of the things when Jim started this is he told the principal, I'm not doing this unless it includes the Bible, right? We're, I'm not just coming in to teach generosity and teach integrity and teach honesty. And what's really, really cool is actually I think some of our dive at school kids, because they love it, because they have single parent homes, because their lives are filled with um, parents who are drug addicts and they don't have people that care about them. I actually think they're more biblically literate than some of the kids that come to our church. And not because we're doing anything wrong at our church, but because we do like this topical circus theme, right? <laughs> but these kids every week, I mean, they, they can tell you the story of Moses striking the rock instead of speaking to the rock. Like these are, I mean, little tiny stories that we've used to talk about self-control and own, taking ownership of your actions. So we teach them a Bible story and then uh, they go to a small group and that's where they sit with a little, usually a little older person. Uh, it's usually... Night shift nurses, uh, third shift dads, homeschooling moms or dads, <laughs> and, uh, and older people are a volunteer force. And so uh, they sit with them and they connect. And that's probably where the most life change happens. And then in the small group, one part you'll see uh, if you pick up the curriculum when you leave, that the gospel is included every week because we believe that's where the life change comes. And my favorite dive quote that I share all the time is this little second grader a couple years ago. So we're going through our small group, you know, we're talking about Ruth and Boaz and all of these things. And then I get to this part and I say, you know who is the most generous person in all of history because he gave his life for you? And he goes, is this about the Jesus guy again? I'm like, yes, every single week is all about this Jesus guy. So he had begun to realize every time I'm here is about this Jesus guy. So he's getting exposed to the gospel. So um, we say it's cheap, easy, legal, fruitful. Those are kind of our buzzwords that we talk about. <laughs> cheap, easy, legal, and fruitful. Um, it doesn't cost anything. Missions Press has now printed our, uh, the first nine lessons to get you all started as a volume one that you can take home with you today um, in order to help you get started. And we also have some coaches, you'll see people wearing dive shirts, who are ready to help you. If you go, okay, I think I want to do this in my schools, where do I start? Um, that way you can get some specialized kind of coaching through that. So whether you're here because you lead NextGen, maybe you're a senior pastor with a passion to see your community changed, if that's you. Or it may be that the Holy Spirit told you to come to this breakout, and you're like, I didn't want to come. Um, or maybe when Brian this morning, something like rose up in you and you said, yes, that's it. So whatever that is, um, if you're here and you're bivocational, we get this all the time. 
If I'm bivocational, how do I show up at a school? And uh, I'm, I'll let Brian answer that question for you. But my, I just want to ask this question of where would Jesus be? Where would he ask us to cast our nets? Where would the greatest catch come? Because this Generation Z is the largest generation we've ever had. And guess where they spend every single day of their lives? And so we try to make an inviting in place for them to come on Sundays, but they're already comfortable at their schools. They're there every day. So why reinvent the wheel? I mean, we roll up with two bins with everything we need to run this program, and we make it happen. And we're just teaching them the scriptures and watching lives be changed. Let's not be the people who go, you know what, I'm just going to go back to business as usual like disciples did. Right? Like, let's just go fishing. I'm just going fishing. Forget it. This is too much. The mission I've been given is too great. Too great. The, the calling is too much for me. Or this generation is so whatever disconnected, so hard to reach. Like, let's not go back to fishing <laughs> as usual. Let's ask the Lord where he would want us to cast our nets. So um, Brian's going to come share a little bit about the ministry that he runs and how it got started. Give us some history and let us know what's going on. I think it's awesome when you come up on a decade uh, of faithfulness. You know, uh, you guys have heard of a man named Lou Engle? Anybody ever heard of Lou Engle? No, if you like him, then he's a, he, I know him. If you don't like him, then I don't know. I'm just kidding. Uh, Lou's one of my spiritual fathers, and I've learned one thing. It's to tell stories. Uh, stories build the faith. You know, the, the, the Jewish culture views history a lot different than us here in, as Americans. Uh, we view history as linear, where when something happens in the past, it's in the past. Jewish people view history more as, as circular. That's why they would retell the stories of their previous generations, believing that the story that broke them out, you know, in Exodus will break them out again in the next generation. And so that's what we're here for even this afternoon is that you would begin to, to get breakthrough in your own lives. I, I don't think that God gave uh, this, this family the model he did for Dive just so they can get up here and share some good stories, but it's a prototype of what's possible for you too. And if you're looking for the answer, it's not found in us, it's found in you. Take your phone out, take a selfie, there's your answer to your city. It's very simple. And so I just wanted to share my story. I got saved when I was 16 years old. I was an atheist, and I got invited to church. I was, was in a grocery store with my mom, and I was uh, minding my own business, and this, uh, this guy, you know, calls my name, his old family friend, his name was Albert, and he says, hey, Brian, you know, we start catching up and talking. Eventually, he gets on the subject of religion, and he says, why don't you come to church with me? And I says, well, I don't, I don't do church. I don't do religion, but thank you. He goes, awesome, awesome. What about next week? I was like, I said, hey, I, I, I don't do church, man. I, I, I just don't do religion. I don't do any of that. And, of course, he does a typical Christian saying, well, I'm not religious. I had a relationship, you know. And I was like, look, man, I, I don't do any of that. And he goes, great, 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 great. What about the week after that? And so finally I said, look, man, I'm putting my foot down. I'm not moving. Like, nothing's going to move me, bro. I, I'm not going to church. I said, the church is full of hypocrites, and I want nothing to do with it, man. And he goes, I'll make you a deal. I said, what? He said, if you come to my church, I'll buy you a smoothie. No, I'm Hispanic. I'll take anything for free. You can laugh. It's okay. Some of you are like, do I laugh at that? Is it a trap? No. <laughs> You're okay. And I, I look at him. I said, what time does your church start? He goes, 7. I said, pick me up at 6.30. So he shows up at my house. Long story short, I radically get saved this night. I mean, when I say I got saved, like, I, I, I got, 
I feel like there's there's two types of people that get saved. There's people that get saved. There's people that get really saved. I got I got really saved. I went. I mean, I went home that night, and I'm skipping a bunch of stuff. But I went home that night, and I started throwing everything out of my room that was like, man, this would displease God. And it wasn't religion. It wasn't legalism. It was love. I'd fallen in love with something so much greater than what I'd been in love with, and I'm trashing all this stuff. And finally, I'm down to my last thing in my room, which is my TV. I'm like, man, I watch trash on this all the time. I said, I'm done with this. And I grab my TV. I'm marching out of my room. And my mom walks in, and she's not a Christian. And so she's like, what are you doing? I was like, I got, I'm, I'm, I'm six years old. I have my TV in my hand. I go, I got saved. She's like, from what? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, all I know is I was depressed, I was suicidal, and I don't feel this anymore. She's like, oh, my God, you joined a cult. I said, no, it's not a cult. There's no Kool-Aid. I'm good. Like, some of you get that. I said, I said, Mom, I found this person named Jesus, and I don't want to kill myself no more. I'm not depressed anymore. And that was the beginning of my walk with God. I was in high school. I was a 16-year-old senior. And I was gonna about to be 17 years old. And, and, you know, about a year later when I was 18 years old, I get invited to a youth camp. Uh, by this pastor, some of you may know Jeremy Johnson, who, uh, you know, he's a, he has a Planet Shakers church out in Los Angeles now, and back then he didn't, but he, he, he did a camp, and I was at this camp, and I was minding my own business in this in this tent meeting they were doing at an event called Spirit West Coast, I don't know if you guys remember that event, uh, that event changed, I actually got to meet the founder of the event not too long ago, when I was with uh, with Nick Wojcik, and I got to thank him, because his, uh, his event is where I received the call of God to go to schools, and I'm 18 years old, I'm in back of this tent, and I hear this, this voice speak to me, and this voice says, I'm going to save high schools in America. This was 10 years ago. I'm coming up on a decade as well, and, and the Lord says, I'm, I'm going to save high schools in America, and I want to partner with your life to do it. And I start weeping, and I'm like, man, I can't even clean my room. Like, you got the wrong dude. And I remember that it was a complete interruption of my life, because if you were to ask me before that, what is my passion, it was not youth. I'm a musician. If you don't know that, and I'm a pretty darn good musician. Uh, I play blues. I love blues, and I, I, you know, I grew up listening to my dad's Stevie Ray Vaughan CDs, and then eventually I got into John Mayer. I mean, I, I, I love music, and I've always thought somehow music would be my, my calling. And in 2009, God interrupted my life, but His interruption became an invitation. And I believe even now there's an interruption in your life where some of you're like, "Why am I even sitting here?" Or even this morning where you heard stories, you're like, "I don't understand. Why does that story somehow provoke my heart to want to believe that God can do something?" And so the Lord speaks to me, and a few months later, I go into my school with this massive word that every school in America would be reached. And I was thinking, man, these, everyone must be waiting for me. People must have had dreams of me on a horse or something. I don't know. Like, I'm coming in there, and I get in there. There's no one knows who I am. It's my old high school, so I got kind of got like some, some, you know, I'm safe now, so I got some security guards I need to apologize to. Uh, there's just a bunch of... There's just a bunch of stuff that went on, and I end up going back into my into my school, and I show up to my first meeting. I'll never forget, there was about two and a half kids that were in this first meeting. Um, I always joke around, you know, typical Bible clubs in America, if I'm really honest, you got about two and a half kids that meet in a classroom that no one's ever heard of. They debate John 3.16, listen to Chris Tomlin eat cookies. I mean, that's the Bible clubs of America. There's, there's not, they're not these places of evangelism. There's not these places where God shows up and moves and touches the atheist that's never encountered God or, or the, the Buddhist who's never heard the name of Jesus, you know. And so I show up, and there's, these, there's a few kids in this room, and I'm so discouraged. I'm like, this is not what we talked about, you know. Like, and I just start preaching in this room, and, and these kids give their lives to Jesus. And the, the Bible club that year grew to an astounding number of 35. And I'm like, well, this is great. We got 35, like 15 million to go. <laughs> you know, and how many of you know when you have small meetings, you start counting angels, right? 
Come on, I know the four square. We all charismatic. You know what I mean? How many people came? 10,000. People? No. Heavenly hosts, right? That was, that was the beginning of my, my movement. I mean, there was nothing. If you would have known me 10 years ago, you wouldn't have invited me here. Trust me. And I, I, that next year that came, I was real discouraged. I'm, I was 19 at the time now, and this was 2010 now, and I'm in the summer of 2010, right before the school year, and I'm in my kitchen. I'm making a sandwich, and I says, God, I don't want to go to high schools anymore. I don't think this is, this is good for me. My dad's telling me to get a real job. I'm like, I got a job. I just don't get paid, you know. He, my dad's not a believer, and, you know, I'm the only believer. Me and my grandma are the only believer in my, in my, in my family. And my grandma is one of those weird grandmas that, like, wears the blankets at night, prays in tongues, and puts oil on everything. That's my grandma. <laughs> Y'all have one of those, right? Put oil on your friends, on your shoes. Can't even open up the door handle. There's so much oil on it. You know what I mean? That, that was my grandma. No, it's everything that moves. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I don't want to go to schools anymore. I said, God, thank you for the opportunity, but I, I, I'm okay. And the Lord speaks to me in that moment, and he's like, I want you to go to this school called Laguna. I knew where it was. I knew where the area it was. And I'm like, hey, I just put in my two weeks. Like, I'm not going anymore. And the Lord says, if you go, I'll show you what I'm going to release in America. And I said, well, what the heck? I've already given one year up. Go to the school. My first meeting, there's six kids. Schools from last year. Uh, I asked him to do. She goes, I believe God will save my school. I said, get me your theater during lunch. And she goes, our theater holds 500. We have six. And I stole this line from a movie, but she. You get it? He will fill it. Oh, you hear? Deep wells, deep wells, right? And so we we end up getting this, this theater. And within one month, this club grows from six kids to 600. Okay, we're going to try that again. That was, like, good if, like, that's like you, like, like your cheeseburger was available or something. We try that again. Like, it grew from six kids to 600. That was super good for a golf clap. Can we try one more time, okay? I am a massive believer in celebration. How many of you love getting gifts? Raise your hand. Anybody? How many of you love giving gifts? I can tell you why you love giving them. You love giving gifts because you love the response of the person you give it to. How many have ever given into a gift to somebody who overreacts? They're like, they're like, oh, oh my God. You're like, it's just socks, you know. They're like, no, these are the best socks. You're like, they're from Walmart, you know. And their response provokes you to want to give more. I'm a firm believer that our response to the smallest things God does provokes the Father to say, oh, let me give you more. So can we try this again? I want you to celebrate this as if it's your own breakthrough, okay. There was six kids, and in one month there was 600. Come on. Come on. Come on. So good. So good. See, that is in you. You just need permission. <laughs> okay? Especially, like, I feel like the older you get, the more permission you get to be crazier. Hold on, hold on. One, two, three, go. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
So we end up, this ends up launch. So I remember when I come home that day from, from 600 kids, I literally am like, who am I, you know? I go home to my mom. I'm like, I'm not cleaning my room. I'm a man of God now. <laughs> and she's like, go clean your room. I'm like, yes, ma'am. You know, it didn't work. But it, it, what it did in 2010 was it showed me what was possible in America. That we had believed this lie that the only way of, of youth ministry was what we've done for 40 years. And I'm not in any way, I, I am a firm believer in honoring what God has done. We would not stand where we were had it not been for groups of FCA, Young Life, Campus Crusade, Bill Bright, all oh, these men that took stands in their generation. We stand upon their, their ceilings become our floors and may my ceiling one day become the floor to the next generation. But we are in a new generation. And it's very important to recognize, again, I'm a millennial. If you want to know a little bit about our generation, we are not lazy, I promise. Most of the, most of the things that you enjoy were created by millennials. We are some of the most creative, different, outgoing people. I believe there is a millennial missions movement that is coming to America. Where millennial, millennials will say, oh, send us God. Here we are. 99% of my staff in Pasadena are millennials who've given lives and say we want to reach the mission field of America because well I'm a mission field and in, so all this is going on I eventually moved to Los Angeles and I'm going to share a couple more stories and I'm going to finish I moved to LA in 2012 and I'm wondering okay God if you did it in Northern California LA is a whole nother beast like this is a lot different territory I end up getting into a school which I'm skipping a ton of stuff but I end up getting into a school in East LA it was one of the only schools in America with a Planned Parenthood clinic on the campus and I end up getting inside the public school. We end up starting a Jesus Club. Five students are first meeting in one month. There's 450. Now why this is so, come on. So good. There you go. Come on. Why this is so profound was it was Los Angeles. And this was a school that put us on 700 Club, TBN. Charisma Magazine, I mean, you name it, Elijah List, all these groups begin to cover the story. That was what put one voice on the map to say, man, what is God doing in Los Angeles? It's almost like there's these certain regions that when Goliaths fall, nations get faith. And I felt like that in this moment. But I knew, and what started everything with us of working with local churches was when a pastor came up to me one day and he says, this is an incredible thing you're doing. How will you multiply it? And the Lord spoke to us in that moment. He said, you're not to be a parachurch, you're to empower the church. You're to come alongside of local churches and, and be their greatest coaches that will turn into their greatest cheerleaders. And this is what One Voice does in essence is we believe in training the local church to see young people reached. You know, every youth pastor that I've met has a, has a desire in them to reach beyond their walls. The only thing they need is someone to come and say, you can actually do this. I mean, on the East Coast right now, we had a guy, their club in Virginia just hit 400 on the East Coast, we have people in Florida, Pastor Kimberly's church, man, their church is crushing it. I've been to their meetings or gymnasiums, classrooms. They, they can tell stories of, of what they're doing there. And it, but again, it, I, we're really believing that what if the entire four-square denomination says we want to reach, we're going to commit to reach our schools. We're going to commit for the next five years to intentionally reach our public schools. Could you imagine if you're no longer pastoring rooms, but you're pastoring cities? Right now, we currently reach around 17,000 a week. It's all with and through local churches. Man, that's so incredible. Because it's not one man you're patting on the back. It's a massive family. It's a massive group of people from all over. 
And we can all agree on one, th- on one thing. Young people need God. Can I give you one secret to the millennial, post-millennial culture? Is we are so about collaboration. We are so about collaboration. The days are gone where it's just you. Those days are gone. You know, there was a stadium event that we were at called The Scent in Orlando where I got to share at. And they fill the stadium, not because of Todd White or Lou Ingord, the YWAM, but because six collaborators came together and six collaborators with their networks fill the stadium of 58,000 people. It is now the time, even for Foursquare, to say, what do we do as a church, not just my church? What do you do as an entire denomination? What if all Foursquare linked arms and said, oh, our mission field I pray you're encouraged by this story. And I pray you'd write your own in your city. Yeah. Can you see it? Can you see it? And part of the beauty of both of these, the after-school program and the Bible Club, is it doesn't matter the size church. It doesn't matter where, where you are in this nation. There are schools by us. And what if we just say, Lord, one school we start with? One. Don't worry about two, three. Just start with one. Uh, by the way, by next year, we'll also, or in a few months, we'll be sharing some things that we're going to be working on in partnership with other movements for uh, college campuses. And it is revolutionary. God has got a, uh, the harvest field in the schools. And so praise the Lord, we're going to get them. All right. Brian and uh, Natalie, would you come? If you have questions, because we need to record, and by the way, Mark, if anybody's looking for a technician, right here. Mark knows anything about tech. Man, that was it. That was, you're genius. You're genius. Well, <laughs> all right. But you're genius. Um, we need you to state your question in the mic so that we can record it. Would you mind coming up and, and uh, we'll run here and feel free to ask. I can. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, so I have a question. I'm just, for both of you, actually, I'd love to hear you weigh in on this. So we started but an after-school program. Our church is next to a high school, and it's open campus. So we have, we, start, we just started last year, this after-school program during the week, which is like 2 to 6. We have like 200 coming. Unchurched. So I just would love for you to speak to, because you're talking about building bridges into local churches. And w- so we're like out of church. We have this thing. We started with our church. But we're struggling to try to find the bridge building, like connecting the students in to the local church. Because it's not the, like the 1990s Wednesday night youth group. You know what I'm saying? It's totally different. So how I'd just love to hear you speak to like just some like practical advice. Like where we're at, we just started this thing. We're struggling to get leaders. It's a little bit more crowd control than discipleship right now. So that's one of our challenges. So if you could speak to like how do you do leaders and how do you, how do you bridge the local church so you can integrate and really admit. Ultimately, because we want to help them find and follow Jesus, you know, not just have fun. And we're doing that, but can you speak to that? I would say, what, what it, why do you see them separate? They're not separate to me. It's the same thing. You know, our, our language that we use when we go and do Jesus clubs is it's, it's in essence, we know it's a church plant. And the bridge is you. You're the greatest bridge. I feel like everyone's always going after revival, right? Revival, revival, revival. There's a second part to revival that if you do not have, you missed it, called Reformation. And Reformation is where you begin to shift the culture of a society. 
It's like going into a ghetto, seeing everyone saved in the ghetto, but they still stay in the ghetto. You now have a saved ghetto. <laughs> what you want to see is bringing those people out. So what I would say is, for your first question, is how do you build a bridge? Is you planted something on an after school. Is this weekly? Every single week, that is a church plant. Every day? Three days a week. That is a church plant in Yes. 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 And the connection piece, I would I would encourage you this, the connection piece is never made in the location you have them, it's the values you teach them. Right? Do not forsake the gathering of the brethren, right? These are the reason why we work with churches and local pastors when they're going into schools is because what they are instilling in them is the importance of gathering. I love what Pastor Kimberly's church did was they did their first, they did three courses of discipleship, if I'm not mistaken. They disciple their first two courses on campus and their third course is in their church. Most churches are trying to start out their church because we deem success as how many kids can I get back in the room? That's not success. What I love about what they've done is they've, they've actually from when I've talked to Pastor Luke, is they see now that they have six youth ministries. They have six youth groups, not one. And they value that time at that school as they would their Wednesday. I 100% agree with you that they, 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 you're going to age out of that. And you do age out of location, but you don't age out of culture. And so I would say instilling in them the importance of gathering, whether they go into a workforce or they go into their universities, that you would always be connected. We're part of this local church, and I would say a good plug-in always, too, is doing things for their families. You know what I mean? Every student has a family. We did an event with Nick Voychik in 2016, and we asked this. There was a Bible club in L.A. of about uh, 450 kids a week. We told all their kids, bring your parents on a Friday night. We're going to do an event with this guy with no arms and legs. Everyone came to see the guy with no arms and legs. And 1,600 students and families filled an auditorium in East L.A. And all these people. We had a local church that was there that, that really followed and connected with them. But I would encourage you that you would see your gathering there as no different as your youth group. And you would instill the culture of, of gathering, if that makes sense. And, 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 and whatever things, you're, I mean, I'm pretty sure Pastor Kimberly can speak into this as well. But whenever you are doing things with discipleship or you're doing stuff at your church, invite those students back. But don't see it as a failure if they never come. There's been a lot of kids that, that even their, the religion of their parents would never allow them to go to my local church. I got kids that are Muslims, kids that are Jehovah Witnesses, that they come. One kid, I remember what led him to the Lord was when I gave him a Starbucks card for his birthday. He was Jehovah Witness, had never received a gift in his life. His parents would never let him go to my church. So was he not a success? No. I recognize that I've now brought in the church to him. If that makes sense. And I'm not subbing my Bible study for what the local church can bring. But I'm an extension of that body. If, I, if, I'm, if I'm a lone ranger, then I'm not. I'm a lone ranger, but I'm not a lone ranger. I'm well connected in. Does this make sense? Yeah. I would 
add one thing, and I think you'll see it as the years progress because we've seen it, that, that consistent leaders and connection because it becomes a family. And so then it's a no-brainer because I hang out with my family on Tuesdays after school, and I love them so much, so I want to come on Wednesdays. And then I want to come on Wednesdays, and this is so awesome that I want to bring my family on Sunday because I think my mom would really like you. Like I've become, some of my good friends now are dive kids like they started at dive after school and now I'm friends with their moms when I stepped off the local church the people that cried the most <laughs> when I left staff were the moms of the kids from our after school ministry who now come on Sunday mornings so I'm just telling I'm just encouraging you that actually you're the key to volunteers leaders whatever you want to call them that will probably be the key that also unlocks the connection to the local church and if you want to gather leaders don't 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 call people with need, call them with vision. People only give to need for so long. They give to vision for a lifetime. I applaud you guys for what you're doing. Um, I used to be a teacher for 12 years before uh, I, uh, I changed, uh, I went into physical therapy. And I, I witnessed firsthand um, uh, I guess through my own ministry uh, before I became a pastor, um, uh, the frustration of not being able to, to reach youth. Um, and so I applaud you guys for what you guys do because I know it's tough. And I, and I speak from the side of, of uh, for lack of a better word, failure. Um, I, I was raised and attended a school and worked at a school, uh, school districts in South Texas where um, um, I'm not too sure uh, where L.A. comes into into part with this, but uh, it, it, it the poverty is is there. Uh, the school districts there they do get federal grant or state grants for after school programs, and there are the FCAs and things like that. Uh, my question to you guys is: Do you um, how do you um, not not compete with, but uh, how do you work with or overcome things like that to where? you know what, I want to come in and provide this after-school program, but I don't want to step on your toes or uh, have you worked with integrating with them or collaborating with them. I know you mentioned that. Uh, if you can kind of go in that direction there. Uh, the school we started dive in actually had like a homework club. It was a Methodist church in the area um, that came in and did homework with kids after school. And we didn't want to be them. So we said, what day is the least, you know, booked at your school? We'll take that day because we don't want to compete. But here's the thing, especially schools in impoverished areas, kids don't have things to do after school. They're walking home. They're going to be home alone until 6 o'clock. So we just put it on a different day. And that was an easy thing. We have just recently launched something in our middle school where we partnered with, partnered with Young Life. Um, they're rocking out in high school, and we're doing all these elementary school things. And so the, some senior leaders got together and said, hey, well what about the middle school and Young Life? So now we call it Wild Dive because Wild Life is Young Life's middle school thing, and Dive is us. So we call it Wild Dive, and we just started going in once a month to our middle school after school. So we just partnered with him. We said, hey, you guys, like, we know how to do the school thing, and you don't, and you know how to do the middle school thing, and we don't. So how about if we could just do this together? And it's been so fun. Even more churches now have gotten involved because we partnered with Young Life. Man, I would say the end goal is the same. The lamb is worthy of the reward of his suffering, and the reward of his suffering is souls, man. So whether they come through Young Life, FCA, you know, I don't really care, like, 
as long as they're encountering God. And we just stay true to our DNA. You know, our DNA is gatherings in schools. We preach the gospel. Uh, you know, we do altar calls. I mean, that's just, that's who we are. But I, I feel like our differences doesn't divide us. It completes one another. So the fact that they don't look like us is awesome. Yeah. My question is, is obviously, like, I think a lot of times the, the kids aren't necessarily the thing that's hard to get people to come. It's the volunteers. And so how do you guys instill vision and purpose into people who, like, have a heart to see those things happen? I think for us, what I, I mean, my first couple years, I was, I was pretty, pretty alone. Um, we didn't really have much crew. I think we have a little over 50 now in Pasadena that are full-time uh, full missionaries. And what I do is I pour into them. I have a method and a model of leading one. This may sound really weird, but I don't build one voice. I build people. And the people build the movement. Does that make sense? So we started experiencing a lot of growth and traction about a year and a half ago. We're like we're literally bringing in crew now. Every people are from different parts of the U.S. People coming from Brazil. Is that okay? Oh, here or here? okay. Sorry, uh, sorry. Different parts of you know they're coming from Brazil. They're coming from Germany. These different places because we share what God is doing, but we build people again. Especially, and this is gonna be a little off topic, but especially millennials. Man, I've learned that the greatest thing I could form in them is teaching them how to like save money how to pay their bills, something called common sense, <laughs> um, how to show up on time, how to use their calendar. So you talk to any of our guys, their loyalty with me doesn't lie in my ability to give them ministry. If ministry is what keeps your people, you're always going to have to give them ministry. And my greatest pulpit to the people that work with me is my living room, not a actual pulpit. That's my method and model, and that's because of the generation that I work with. It might be different if I was working with much older people. But with the, the, the demographic and the generation of people that I work with, I pour into these guys. And then it, rather I want to go to a high school or I need to go pick up trash. They're down. Th there's no difference in their minds. Does that make sense? I don't, I don't train up preachers. I train up servants. So no matter what they're doing, they're going to serve. And that's another thing in our, in our community is we don't use the language. Not that this is bad, but we don't use the language of be a leader. We call them to be servants. Servants, servants, because leaders create sometimes this, this, at least in our generation, they create sometimes this like, picking that up, you know, <laughs> like, like, oh, the greatest leader is the greatest servant. And we know that. I'm not saying leader is bad, but being able to say, man, you want to be the greatest dude, go to the lowest, be the foot washer. If that makes sense. Yeah. We, ours is a little different because I, I did, we have grandmas and grandpas and we do get an occasional college student, but. Um, it's the same thing. It's like a tribe. It's like your connection. They feel connected. And so um, I feel like we've, we present the vision of what has happened. Like Brian has said, we tell the stories and people catch the vision. And then once they see it, I'm telling you, once they see it, very few ever stop. Uh, they don't quit. I don't know if you guys see that. People want to keep doing it because I really believe you tap into the Lord's heart. These are his lost sheep. He said, feed my lambs. We're there doing it. And you connect with the Lord.
Hey, so in your talk this morning, <coughs> you mentioned two different principals that you had the opportunity to connect with, and it seemed like they had two slightly different responses. One of them was like, hey, here's your wall, get after it, have fun. The other one, you had to paint his office first, and I thought it was a really powerful story of meeting them in their place. Um, so two parts. One, could you walk us through kind of, it's going to vary district to district, school to school, place to place. Walk us through kind of some real broad strokes. What does the Jesus Club look like? How does it operate? What do you guys typically do? And then second piece, what is kind of the range of um, allowed activity to what a school is asking you to do? Kind of what limitations have you had to work with and through and around and that different type of stuff? Um, yeah, thank you. point you to, which will give you all the nuts and bolts. What I'll do is I'll give you the gist of what a Jesus club is. The gist of what go in. Why don't y'all tell me? <laughs> She's been trying to tell me. <laughs> uh, yep. I'm like, honey, why don't you tell me to put my socks away? Um, a gist of what we do, man, is we go in there and we... What you would see in a youth conference, what you would see in a youth group is we replicate that. We come in, we set up screens, speakers, and we weren't always at this magnitude. I can give you back in the day when we started, but we go in and we share we share about Jesus every single week. And so typically I'll, I'll use uh, one of the schools in South Central. We got about you know, 150, 200 kids that will come in every single week. We'll speak, and I break up my messages in three parts, story, truth, and application. So I always leave them with some sort of application. I do sir, I do messages about pretty much everything. I actually did a message uh, called "Who's Your Daddy," um, and I, I have the kids. I'm like, look at your name. Say, "Who's your daddy?" You already know it's gonna go bad, you know. And then at the end, I I preach the Bible. Then at the end, I show the Will Clipsmith of Fresh Prince of Bel Air that scene with his father. If you've ever seen it, go turn off your lights, watch it. You'll weep. I mean, and and I had gangbangers just weeping, dude. And so I I learned. You know, I think it was Amy Simple McPherson who used the props when she preached, correct? That's what she was known for. And I think she was ahead of her time. And I would encourage you to look at your leader who was ahead of her time because that's how you're going to win this next generation. Like, you use a lot of props. Remember the first time I had to tell the kids in L.A. they were sinners, like in East L.A. I wore a straight jacket and I ran around the room like for like a minute and I was like, what are you doing? Like 400 kids, what are you doing? And at the end I'm like, how many of y'all think I look crazy? How many of y'all can see me walking on the sidewalk you cross the street? I said, how many of y'all know this is how you look every day of your lives when you're bound to things you can't get free from? <laughs> you know? So I, I wish I could give you more depth just for the sake of time. If you'd like, we actually, he's going to give a flyer to every person as they leave today of a website training. You can text here, and we'd love to actually get you some real practical. I don't want to give you like an appetizer and like not the full course meal, man. Absolutely, every school is different. Every principal is different. Every principal has a different history with God. Some people hate God. Some people had a bad, they grew up in the church and they hate the church. So guess what? I, I look like their father that made them go to church. You know what I mean? You, you have that. And so, yeah, it varies. I would say whatever door God opens, go through it. Whatever door he closes, keep knocking. Let me tell you too, when God assigns you to a school, you may, you may get opposition. We had opposition. We um, took our people, we prayed. We prayed on that campus, we prayed around it, we fasted, we declared, we prophesied, <laughs> you know, like you do. And they opened it up. Took a little while, but they opened it up. 
want to share Chris and Kate Jenin right here. They contacted me. Hey, we want to reach our schools. They had a principal who said, we don't need you. We don't want you, whatever. So I just said, listen, we'll just pray and see what happens. We'll reevaluate in the fall. The principal got fired. So I'm just saying. I'm Laurie, um, and I just want to say thank you so much because this convention, I think I will, is a convention to an answer to my question. I came from Africa, and I'm serving here And what I keep hearing, you can't do this here. Come on, it's true. In Africa, it's different. Evangelism over there is doing, you can knock at the door, they pour water on you, it's okay, you just sit down, you come back again. Yeah, I do like this. I come like, why well, stuff like that? And so people keep telling me, and what is worse is the church. It's the church. It's the people from church. You can go by yourself. They love me so much, so I have to disobey God. You, you, you can go by yourself. And me, it's like here, what I do, I, t I, t I have my, my speaker and my microphone, and, and I'm crazy. I like to, I like music. I put music from Africa, and I dance. And then people like, who is crazy over there? So when they gather, then I speak the word. <laughs> so I want to go to school, but people say, you can't do this here. So I want to, uh, my question is like, if I invite you over there, are you going to come to my feeling? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm going to do like in Africa. I'm going to fan you. I'm going to fan you. <laughs> yeah, that's all. And, and I'm glad that we are recording this. Can you, <laughs> can you give a, <laughs> can you guys give, Mama Kimberly is here. Can you like send this copy to all the pastors to know that it can be done? Our website are all the legal documents. So uh, back 2001, Good News Club took this all the way to the Supreme Court. So if there's any after-school activity allowed on your high school's campus, it's protected by Supreme Court law. So this whole like, what? Yeah, yeah, we have Equal Access Act. So don't worry. I mean, we use that and we shut down and I think that's the enemy saying, nope, it's not allowed. But the Supreme Court has actually said it is. Now we don't know how long that will last. Um, hopefully a long time, but why not do it now while it's available? Miss Jody. So I don't want to be a buzzkill, but I just have a question. How do you deal with kids who are there just simply to disrupt? This takes me a while. I get it. Parable of the sower, sow seed, right? There's four different types of soil. What is common about either soil is it's not his mouth to prejudge if the seed will grow or not. It's his mouth to shut up and throw seed. That's my job. I don't prejudge if it's going to grow or not. I just throw seed. And I realize that it, I, I teach my team this. If you pray for someone and they don't get healed, it's not your fault. If you pray for someone and they do get healed, it's not your fault. just want to say that um, uh, uh, the last verse in the Old Testament, 
is that um, in the last days, the uh, fathers' hearts will be uh, turned to the children, and the then the children's heart will be turned to the fathers, and then God will not strike our lands with, you know, dooms and, and yeah, punishment. I'm sorry, my my language. I'm I'm, no, I'm Norwegian, but I for 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 20 years I've been working with uh, a ministry in Norway like this. And we have a ministry called Jesus Movement. We go to the schools of Europe and we preach a radical gospel, invite people to the altar, pray for the sick. I've seen these stories for 20 years. And I tell you, it's an end time sign. Every church needs to connect with that kind of ministry. Every church needs to connect with that kind of ministry. And we will turn the our hearts first to the kids, and they will turn their hearts to the adults. And and all the problem and mess that ma makes up, uh, I mean, we have cases that have gone all the way to parliament. Are you, uh, we, have, uh, we had groups that were not allowed to, to go through like the corridors into their auditoriums because they had some buns with them and that smelled well and that draw a few people, you know. You know, all the w it, it's crazy much mess it comes up, but we gotta do it. And I think what he and you and a lot of others are doing is they are igniting a fire. It spreads like a wildfire, and then it's not the professional coming. You are releasing even the young people to to take their own schools. It's wonderful. So thank you. Honestly. Now we've heard, we've heard the best preachers in America on this conference, and I, I've been blessed a hundred times. But to hear his testimony this morning was the atomic bomb. All right, Natalie, with your dive ministry, um, what is a hiccup you did not expect, and what is the biggest win that just blew your mind and was just amazing? Choosing which hiccup, I should tell. Uh, when we first started, we had no idea how large it would grow, how fast, and so we promised the principal, we'll slide in, we'll slide out, no one will even know we're here, right, because he was nervous about all these, you know, legality things. And then we plugged in our big old inflatables and blew the power in, like, the whole school system. Not just the gym, the entire, and so we're checking kids in with flashlights. Right? We, have, uh, we have, like, our flashlight phones out trying to check kids in. Um, so we've had just regular hiccups. But the cool thing is that we've, now that we've done this 10 years, we've worked out some of those bugs and know how to avoid those. Um, the biggest wins are... Uh, well, just a really quick story. A couple years ago, the Lord told me, I realized we weren't retaining sixth graders. So we started in kindergarten, and by the time they're sixth grade, like how many times can they come? And, you know, they're sixth graders, so they're rough. They probably should be in middle school anyways. But we had middle schoolers, so I said, all right, I'm going to start this leadership program. Or fifth and sixth graders come back and serve with the younger kids when they come to dive. And so they, we retained them because we gave them responsibility and training, but all having them serve. And then a church called me two years ago, another partner church, um, a spirit-filled non-denominational church, and said, hey, we really have a heart to develop leaders in elementary schools. You got any leaders? 
And I'm like, yes, I have a whole program that you can run. And so what we've seen this year that we have uh, 14 kids in our dive leadership, and it's all run by this other church. They're training our with our younger kids at dive after school, and those kids are on fire for Jesus. And their curriculum teaches honor. We're teaching 12 and 13-year-olds honor, and what we've seen is this uh, connection. Those are the kids now who are bringing their families on Sunday mornings. Um, that's not our heart. That's not our purpose to get them to come on Sundays, but it's been a major win um, in developing leaders like to serve with the younger kids. So that's just one, one big win. Hi. Um, there it is. Yeah, it's a little confusing. Yeah, um, <coughs> my name is Pat McFall. I'm out in uh, Oahu, uh, in Honolulu. And uh, my when I first started doing ministry, is on-campus ministry. Um, and uh, what we found in uh, in Hawaii is that we, we ended up having some uh, guy come in and start a whole legal dispute. It sort of um, really threatened our relationship with the school. And so, um, it, anyway, it all got kind of settled out. Our approach has been, okay, we really need to develop those student leaders to really take ownership of that school. Um, and that's what was the, the key when, when 15 years ago when, when I was doing that. Um, what we've seen is that it's been a slow-going process in our church to develop those things. Um, and uh, what now we're seeing is like a couple of programs like, like Young Life and FCA work with both of them, had really great experiences and challenging experiences. Um, with you, like with your partnership with Young Life, where have you seen those things go really, really well? Where have you seen some of the challenges happen? Uh, because I know Young Life's big. They're like, we, we're taking them all to camp. And I'm like, dude, that's awesome. I don't know if that's like the solution for everything, you know. So I'm just trying to figure out where are the ways that there is like legit partnership we can go and where are the ways that are some challenging things is because they're really, we have a 16-year relationship with the school and we're, we're, they love us, we love them. Uh, they're bringing in all these leaders, which is awesome. They go, like, the key people go to our church. So, like, the Lord is setting something up. But I just want to be honest about what I know that their purpose is as a ministry so that they don't feel like they're, like, compromising on their assignment and then we can be a blessing, all that kind of stuff. We we realized, I don't know, maybe five years ago that there were, there were some churches that, we maybe wouldn't partner with because we were nervous at what they were teaching our students. And we only knew that because of what had happened and we heard things they were saying and we were like, oh man, and just theological differences. So we don't obviously only work with Spirit-filled. Like I said, we have a Presbyterian lady. We have um, actually the Baptist church, the largest Baptist church in our town is one of our largest partners. We have Christian churches, all of this. But there were a couple that we just said, you know, we, we probably, um, because they were teaching uh, things about homosexuality, that, that's a problem for us, um, and uh, Jesus-only kind of things uh, that came, came up as in salvation in the gospel. They were kind of had a different view of the gospel. And so I didn't make that decision on my own. We kind of, as a, as a kind of a network of all the churches that work together, not to say you're out, right, but like we just weren't recruiting them, and they haven't so far approached us <laughs> about it. Um, so the, the way we've seen it go really well is when we stick to the basics of like we're here to preach the gospel, and then whoever volunteers, leaders, whatever you call them from your church are their kids connect and show up at those churches. So it, it's worked well when we kind of lay down our church growth mindset and go, no, listen, we're about these kids knowing Jesus. And so we can all agree on these couple things, tenets of faith. And we're not, I mean, 
we don't do like baptism of the Holy Spirit teaching because our Baptists and Presbyterian friends would probably not want to teach those lessons. Um, that might get awkward for them. So we stick to the basics a little bit and bring it back and go, we all agree about these things and the rest we're going to let them figure out once they start coming to our churches. Brian, you said when you first started it was mostly just you. Is that correct? So how did you then, by yourself, go from like four to 400 students? Because I think that's what you said, four to 500. How did you get that jump of students, and how long did that take? I have no idea. <laughs> I literally, I mean, the only thing I could equivalent it to, like if I was like trying to look at like ingredients, was just faithfulness, and I was available. I mean, there was a guy in my city who had come up to me afterwards. At when I was in Northern California, we were seeing, like, full-blown, like, we were gathering around 2,000 a week in Northern California. I was in tons of schools. And uh, this guy came up to me at a service one day, and he's crying. And he goes, hey, he goes, hey I want to let you know that in 2009, God told me to go to high schools. And I was like, me too. He's like, he told me he would save high schools in America. I was like, me too. He's like, he told me to start here in, in Elk Grove. I was like, me too. He goes, he said, I told God no. He said, congratulations, you're doing what I was called to do. And I knew in that moment that I wasn't God's first choice. I was available. And so I'm not like, I, like I, I mean, dude, my first sermons, bro, I'd like watch YouTube. Whatever preacher I watched that day was who I'd become. You know, if I watched TD, I was like, you know. <laughs> it, 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 it was like, it, I just, I, I was so innocent in my longing to learn. And I just made myself available. I just didn't go after what all my other friends were going after. They'd be like, come hang out at a birthday party. And I was like, I just want to read my Bible. They're like, you're not, you're boring. I'm like, you're boring. Like, I just, I just had such a hunger for God. And so, and a lot of people don't know, bro. Like, I saw, I buried my life in prayer, man. Like, that school of 600, I didn't tell you this part of the story, but I used to go into the school after hours. The, the janitor would let me in, and I would lay on the dirt outside of the auditorium and weep for souls. I would stay there until tears flowed down my eyes. And so you can't, like, every, the greatest evangelists are the greatest people, or the greatest people that pray. When you pray, you're connected to the Father. This is why, to me, when you separate the prayer movement and the missions movement, it's the stupidest thing on the planet. Because the greatest preachers are the ones that pray. And for you just to pray, you're wasting your breath for just praying because you'd be the greatest, you know, gospel proclamator, that's how you say it. You'd be the, the greatest person to proclaim the gospel ever because you're connected to the Father's heart and you would always speak from love, never hate. Um, I'm just on the website on my phone right now, and um, look, uh, it's cool. Like you guys have the schools, like in every I don't know. I saw my school on there um, in my city, uh, Vallejo, California. Yeah, North Carolina. Yeah. Um, what 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 can we expect? Because I'm wanting to really sign up for this. But what could, what could we just expect when we sign up? And uh, it looks like there's live trainings. Like what's the like when I sign up? Like what? Uh, yeah, what's gonna happen? Hurry it up next time. <laughs> I've known this guy for years. He he travels with me all over. We we uh, uh, quick story. We went to Kona last week, and I it was supposed to just be me. He was gonna roll with me because it was a quick trip, and then I, I felt to bring my daughter. She's three. Um, terrible mistake. 
uh, you know that she was only with daddy because uh, her hair was knotted. She was eating snacks every day, and her shirt was on backwards. Like, it was just terrible. I'm like, do you know how to comb hair? He's like, no. I'm like, my sister was there. I'm like, come help me comb her hair. Anyways, that's my story with Tim. So uh, what you expect from us, a commitment that we give is to walk along, is to train you and walk alongside of you. A lot of the, we, when a church reaches a school, we call them a chapter. And we go into partnership with that church, um, and we, uh, they're part of a larger network of churches that work with One Voice. Typically, people that work with One Voice are people that say, I value local church, and I want my local church to reach a campus. Uh, those are typically people that more gravitate towards who, uh, who we work with. We've trained everywhere from Bethel and Reading to, uh, you know, a small Korean church you've never heard of in L.A. So it's very big on the spectrum of churches. Um, the training is online. I would suggest if you're in Vallejo, dude, we are doing a conference. I'm doing a plug right now. We are doing a conference in July at the Rock Church in uh, in Anaheim, and we're doing a live training on a Friday morning. We typically have about 150, sometimes 200 pastors that will come to live trainings. That weekend's like Todd White's going to be there, um, Kim Walker, Jeremy. It's going to be an amazing, epic weekend there at the Rock. Um, but I would suggest if you can't do live, do online, and then when you've done that we plug you into a network which is called the uh the OVSM network which provides you all the resources graphics videos social media sermons pdfs you name it we will have it there available for you so yeah hope that answers your question so we have this available we have some in the back and then there are more at the four square missions press booth if you didn't get one yet um right in the front there's some zoom calls next week and the week after if you're interested in dive at schools also our website is listed right in here we have a coaching team that will walk through it with you if you say i want to adopt my school also like no shame if this you just need curriculum you can also use this this is just nine lessons but it also works in other format we have a uh, someone using it that has a program every day after school so one day they do the opening activity one day they do the large group one day they do the small group one day they do the game so it it works. Um, it's flexible, but we'll have those for you as you leave. There's some free resources in the back. Thank you both. Thank you. So again, you've gotten some inspiration, but we want you to leave with more than inspiration. If you feel like, okay, this is something we're going to go for, you heard both from Natalie and from Brian. They've developed resources to come alongside of local churches, and they will coach you. They will invest time and energy into coaching you on how to do this. It is worth it. It will come with challenges. It gets messy. You'll have the enemy will come against you. But listen, remember, we are not without God. We're not a people without God. This is not us going in our human strength trying to break through society. These are spirit men and women on assignment as ambassadors, understanding that God has a passion for every single soul. He wants them more than you and I do, and all he's looking for is available people that will say, I am willing to do what it takes to go there. I don't know how to convey these with English words or even Spanish, but my knower knows that there is a harvest of youth, young people in our nation Sometimes I think, you know, is it just me? And then you hear from various places that God is stirring the hearts of people to say there's a move of God. It's not a hype. It's not a woo. -woo. No, no, no. It is such a genuine move of the spirit of God. It won't be tracked to a human being, not a one star, but it will be the move of God that will, I, I believe it's something we've never seen. We've never seen. 
we've never seen. The book of Acts was supposed to be a beginning, not an end. And so don't allow statistics to cause you to draw back. Don't allow statistics to cause you to draw back. We have an opportunity. Why? Because the heart of God is there. And we're going, and listen, when we go in his name, all of heaven backs us. We are not mere people trying to get the will of God accomplished. We are men and women on assignment with all of heaven backing us. So I want us to stand, and I want us to pray. I want us to pray for two things, for the schools in your own city, but then I want us to pray for the young people of our nation. Okay? Let's do that. Right now, just lift your voices. Lift your voices. Father God, we're calling on you. We call on you. We are your people calling on you. And we're calling for the schools in our city right now. Every school in our city, we call for salvation in our cities in the name of Jesus. We call for salvation in our elementary schools, in our middle schools, in our high schools, in our colleges and universities. Lord, we pray for a move of your spirit that changes lives. We thank you for salvation, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for bodies healed, restored, minds saved, minds restored. We thank you for wholeness in the name of Jesus. And now for our nation, Lord, we lift up this nation to you. We declare that your spirit will save in this nation multitudes. We even declare millions of young people. Millions of young people, allow your mouth to declare salvation to millions of young people. There are millions in our nation. So we agree with heaven that millions of young people will declare Jesus as Lord. Because it is your heart, it is your will. And Lord, we make ourselves available to go wherever you send us. Right now, would you take a moment and make yourself available? You may be a senior pastor, a next-gen pastor, it doesn't matter. But would you make yourself available right now and say, God, I am making myself available right now. This is between you and Jesus. This is between you and him. You may be thinking, I don't have the resources. This is between you and him. All we're asking you is to say yes to him. He'll lead you in a journey where there will be no lack, no lack of resources, no lack of leaders, no lack of wisdom, no lack of favor. Father, we make ourselves available to you. Use us to see our schools changed. And lift up an army of laborers. Lift up an army of laborers. You said to pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers. We're praying to you, send laborers. Cause them to come alongside, to go with us into these schools. We thank you, Lord. We thank you these aren't lofty prayers. These aren't hyped up prayers. This is us tapping into your heart and proclaiming here on earth what has been established in heaven. We thank you for it. We thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen.